Hey, Sam. Yeah, Don? What's the word? Fear. Fear? Fiddlesticks. Everything's all real. You mean like forget everything and run? Maybe false evidence appearing real. Where'd you hear that? I I heard heard it through through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hey, Don. I noticed that you said Ed, collect dead. The collected voices. What does that mean? That means that we have guests every week, and sometimes we have two guests like we do today. These are the voices from all over AA in the world, it seems. It seems. Now, of course, we're, we're focused more on North America at the moment. We'll take over the world later. We had Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We did have an Australian guest. Trinidad. She wasn't in Trinidad, but we had a guest who was born in Trinidad. From Trinidad, sure enough. Yeah, so, I mean, that is an important distinction, that collected voices versus the collective voice. And that's, you know, the collective voice is the general service conference and the actions that are coming from the general service conference, AA World Services. But the AA Grapevine, for decades, has been collecting the voices of Alcoholics Anonymous, of our fellowship. And this is just an extension of that. This is the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think it's a really cool thing. Yeah, I love it. We don't speak for all of AA. You and I are sharing our experience and collecting the voices of all the people in AA that we get to interview. And listening to their experience too. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, Sam, I'm powerless over alcohol and my wife has become unmanageable. Oh, all right. Make sure y'all direct your correspondence to Don on that one. Okay. Um, (laughs) No, she's not unmanageable. It seems that I have a perception problem. I have, (laughs) I have realized that actually my wife is open-minded and generous and, you know, I've been sober for 27 years and she has stuck with me. She's not an alcoholic. So it's a real miracle that she stuck with me, but she's the one who made it okay for me to go to AA. She's the one who helped me to open up my mind enough to talk about a higher power. I just didn't want anything to do with that. So she's been a guide, but I've sometimes been jealous of couples in AA who are both working the steps and thinking, oh, that must be the easier, softer way to be married. (laughs) True. I mean, my husband and I, we got together in 1998. We have this fantastic relationship that our individual programs are a huge part of our relationship. It's really cool being in a marriage with another sober alcoholic. Speaking of, we have a couple of sober alcoholics who are married, who are going to be our guests today. Hi, my name is Kelly and I'm an alcoholic. And I I sound like I'm drunk, but I really was in a car accident. I have a lot of time. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. 
And I am Greg, and I'm an alcoholic, and I'm from the uh, Haymarket, Virginia area, and my home group is the uh, Haymarket Happy Hour group in Haymarket, Virginia. It's a Zoom meeting, so anybody wants to look it up, please join us. Thanks. I'm glad that you're both here. Kelly, when did you get sober? In 1985. Oh, wow. September 15, 1985. That was after 10 years of daily drinking. I was a hippie in the 70s. Yeah. And I was 15. And I was drinking a beer every day. I went to Lake Inn in Reston, Virginia, and I hung out with my hippie friends and I I bought beer at the Safeway there at Lake Anza Shopping Center on a beautiful lake. Rest of the plain community. So it was really pretty. And there was a Safeway and a drugstore. And I used to buy my drugs from Larry, who used to be the pharmacy man. Oh, man. And, and he used to say, Hennessy, you're underage. You, you can't buy that six pack. Don't even try to do it. And so I always paid it. Uh, somebody a little bit older to go in there and get me a six pack. We find our ways, don't we? There's workarounds. Well, yeah, I mean, I was a hippie as well. It was all sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And the last thing I wanted to do was go to AA. How did you get to the place that you decided to go to Alcoholics Anonymous? You asked me why I couldn't drink it. I was a school teacher and I started to spike my coffee for work, and I, that was blew me away. I couldn't drink and be a school teacher. I remember we used to have phone books. You remember phone books? And I called a A, and they they told me there was a meeting right at Lake Ann. They said at the church at Lake Ann there was a meeting, and so I was a hippie at Lake Ann, and so I went to meetings at Lake Ann. That's where I met my husband. Oh, you met there. Yeah, that's fantastic. Greg, what's the beginning of your recovery journey? Well, I, uh, I, I kind of bounced in and out of AA in my early years. And court appointed, right? Was court appointed a couple of times. <laughs> uh, went to a couple of alcoholic treatment centers. Everybody, you know, has a different bottom and what that bottom means to them. You know, I can remember here in Arlington, Virginia, there's a Arlington Cinema Draft House. A bunch of us went to see the... Uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers play the Oklahoma Sooners. And this would have been back in oh, the 80s. You know, mm-hmm. We all went there. We had our, our beers, our pitchers, our beers. I came home, drank some more. Everybody else went home, went to bed, and went to work that day. I had a, uh, at the time, I no longer, but at the time I had a pistol and I blew out all my bedroom windows just for fun. And I went to jail that night. Wow. Hmm. And I was court. And, and, you know, the funny thing about that, not that there's much funny about it, but is that they, this was in a uh, townhouse complex and it has an HOA. And apparently they have some obscure HOA regulations against blowing out your bedroom windows in the middle of the night. Fortunately, nobody was hurt, but we did have to move shortly thereafter. But I was court ordered AA. And you know what they say when you go to AA at it may not take the first time, but seeds can get planted. You know, I see sometimes I'll be in a meeting and I'll see somebody come and I, maybe I'll never see him again. And a part of me thinks, oh man, I hope they're okay. But another part thinks maybe a little seed was planted because that's how I got in here. You know? well, that's interesting. I mean, I've often thought that about people who are court appointed and talked to afterwards going, you know, AA doesn't demand that you be here. 
it's entirely up to you whether you want to come or not, but it's different with the court. You've got to do what the court says. But for me, it was very important to know that AA didn't care if I drank or didn't drink. In fact, my sponsor one time told me I was complaining about something in AA and he said, well, maybe you need to drink a little bit more. And I was going, no, no, no. I just want to complain because <laughs> the, the, the last thing I wanted to do was to drink again. So how did you get to the place that uh, no matter what, I'm not going to drink again and I'm going to do AA? Well, I, I got DUIs. I, when I was 16, I totaled a cop car. None of those things I got drunk and crashed into a police officer that was dispatched to look into a drunk driver. I always tell people I just turn myself in, but, uh, and that was the first time I heard don't move or I'll shoot. Wow. And the reason I bring that up is not for the drama is that what brought me in and it stuck per se was that I was, I did some community theater stuff and big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Very, very small pond. Not even that big a fish, actually. Medium fish in a small <laughs> pond. <laughs> I had a bad, I guess, reputation for not being reliable because I would get drunk. You know, there was, a, I get, there was a show that we did and I had some drinks and couldn't remember lines. And um, I got a part in a play called The Boys Next Door. And the director said that we'll give you the part, but listen, We've heard that you're less than reliable. So if we hear about any kind of drinking issues or anything with you, you're out. And that night I went to a party, got really drunk. They, I refused to give up my keys. Or something. It was kind of a blackout. Anyway, long story short, I was out. They kicked me out. Mm. And for some reason, you know, and community theater, by the way, takes anybody. They don't care about <laughs> your sexuality. Right. They don't care about your height, your weight. Any of your, any of your politics, they don't care, but they kicked me out, you know. And for some reason, that was a bottom for me. I remember I'd been court ordered to AA meetings in the area. There used to be this uh, meeting place called the Club in Manassas. And on December 11th, 1996, I walked in there. And as I sat down, the only thing I could think of was, good God Almighty, has it come to this? You know, I'm, I'm sitting in an AA meeting. What the hell do these people know? And that's all. So even in my bottom, what do you know? Oh, of and, course. Or, or what are you going to tell me? I still was an arrogant bastard who thought he was well at the bottom of the ocean, essentially. And, uh, <laughs> but you know what? I had hit enough of a bottom that it stuck and I kept coming back and I got a sponsor. And before you know it, I met her, you know, but the, and I have 13 years and I had to wait had 13, for, yeah. I had yeah, to wait a year before we could go on a date. I went out with people and every meal I used to say, Hey, let's go out to eat. He would show up. Yeah. And my sponsor, I remember telling, you know, they go, oh, Hey, what's it come to this? And then I, you know, I saw Kelly and I thought, Hey, maybe this is not so bad. You know? <laughs> so uh, what is this? You had to wait a year. So I told my sponsor that, hey, I, I met this uh, great chick, uh, you know, at a meeting and I, you know, I, I, you know, I think I might ask her out or something. And, and he goes, eh, wrong answer. And that guy had the nerve to, you know, how I was court ordered to AA. He sponsored, ordered me to men's only meetings <laughs> and said, no dating for one year. And then her sponsor was saying, stay the hell away from him. And then we were both getting this. Why, why were your sponsors telling you this? Do you know now? 
I, oh yeah, now we know, obviously, is that at the time, you know, he knew that would be a big distraction for getting that first year under my belt, the goal. And Kelly knew that too. She wouldn't have gone out with me. We ended up doing some group things at times, but never a solo date, never. And we waited that entire year. We made it the whole year. I think um, it's called 13th stepping. That's right. 13th stepping. Right. <laughs> but she knew. She We never maybe actually. Maybe we only made 11 months. Maybe we might have changed a little bit. <laughs> I think, we made, I think we made it pretty close to the year. I mean, it depends on what you mean by a relationship yeah, yeah, in the year. Yeah. That's fuzzy and gray area. Well, how does your recovery show up in your marriage? What's interesting is that, you know, when we first were together and then we're getting married, people, you know, as I said, we got some warning. Some friends said warning, you know, um, there's issues that come with that. And I was thinking, you know, it, it's going to be so great because, as two alcoholics together, if I like slip off a little bit, she'll tell me, hey, you need a meeting and or she'll catch me on my stuff and maybe I'll catch her on her stuff and this will be great. and It's going to be awesome. And it is awesome for the most part. But <laughs> I forgot to add in the fact that I have the emotional maturity of like about an eight year old. <laughs> so, when some, so, yes. so when she said, hey, maybe you need to go to a meeting. My initial response is, well, maybe you need to go to a meeting. You know, and then it's like, oh, that's not the right thing to say. You know, it's interesting in that when somebody calls you on your stuff, my ego wants to pop up right there and say, uh-uh, or I'm right. fine. What about you? Or find something wrong with you rather than taking an honest look at that criticism. So there's some challenges a little bit with that. There's some challenges with, um, oh, you're going to do that, Mrs. 35 Years of Sobriety, or, or she's going, oh, you're going to do that, Mr. You just had a great share in a meeting. Sometimes you get a little bit of that. <laughs> but I will say that being an AA and being a couple in AA, we've had some magical times. We've had some tragic stuff that has gone on, but have been the best years of, of my life. Let me just tell you, there is no, there, it, prior to that, doesn't even compare. One of the reasons that sponsors say don't get into a relationship in the first year is that it's very easy to make your significant other your higher power. You get emotionally worked up. Everything becomes about the other person. It would seem to me that particularly if the other person is NAA, then you're talking about the steps. You're talking about how you're working the steps. And then the other person almost becomes the sponsor and can become your higher power. So how do you avoid that? I, I think that maybe the reason they say you shouldn't be in a relationship that first year, because if I heard his gun story, I would have broken up with him. But I shared that in meetings, too. I was very honest <laughs> about the guns. You know, in my first year of recovery, I was already in a relationship. But so much changed in me in that first year. So much discovery happened. And for me to enter a relationship with someone before I even got going in that would be misrepresenting myself to them. They don't know who I am because I don't know who I am. Right. Well, that's why for the first year, or it wasn't a full year, but it's probably like six months, I was in men's meetings, sweaty, gruffy, chain smoking men's meetings. And I was mad. <laughs> I was mad at my sponsor. I almost fired him. You know, I was going around saying, hey, is that right that he can order me just to go to men's meetings? That doesn't seem fair. And the guy goes, well, you should do what your sponsor wants. I kept, oh, let me try this next guy. I was looking for somebody to co-sign my 
<laughs> Finally, I found a couple of people that said, hey, that is that does seem out of bounds. I knew it, but I didn't fire him. He was a really good sponsor. Why didn't you fire him? Well, you know what? Because I wanted to stay sober. I want because uh-huh. I knew that it was precarious. Tell you know? that story about the high level AA. That, yeah. that small but, stuff. Well, he just I, he, he went over the relationship with. So, Greg, let's, let's review your, your relationship history a little bit. We were just chatting and. And uh, so I talked to him yeah, and this didn't work out and I divorced and this, this girl, she was terrible. You know, it's like cheated on me and stuff like that. And he goes, that's the one that you cheated on your wife with that cheated on you. Yeah, that one. And, and he goes, and Greg, let me ask you this question. What do you think the common denominator in all those terrible rotten relationships was? And I go, the common denominator, oh. you know, this guy's good. If I yeah. figure out what was wrong with all those women I can, you know, not make that same mistake <laughs> going forward. And he looked at me and he said, you, and he, he did use a cuss word, you are the common denominator. So if you want a healthy relationship with this Kelly or whoever it might end up being, you have to become a different person. You have to work on you. You have to get into a different place. And I believed him. Yeah, good advice. Any comments for uh, anybody out there who is looking to get married? Uh, Don touched on it is in the beginning there, my brain did spin up. Okay, I got to do this and I'm thinking about that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And my focus did start. And I think that's why I got sponsored, ordered to those men's meetings was that Mm -hmm. my focus was starting to turn there a little bit, you know, especially that first year of sobriety. There's the pink cloud. There's that kind of almost euphoria, you know, of being in the program. And, oh my God, this is starting to make sense to me. And a lot of that is just starting to connect with other people in the program. And I developed great friendships very early on too, not just a romantic type of thing, but I had some great male friends that, you know, I buddied up with. My advice would be take it really slow. And it really kind of depends on, you know, is it a situation like mine where I was junior going for the AA Cougar kind of, <laughs> I mean, AA wise, not age wise, but, uh, but, but, or is it somebody, two people that have been in the program for a while, but it, there are, you know, we have experienced and are working through, there are things to be careful of getting each other sandbox. It's so much easier to focus on her sandbox and what she's doing than it is yeah. to focus on mine. But what ends up happening is when I jump in her sandbox and she's jumping in my sandbox, we end up just having like a dirty cat box. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) you just make a sandstorm, don't you? (laughs) It's yucky. But once I, you know, or she'll call her sponsor, right? Hey, Greg was doing this, this, and this, and I want to plead my, give me the phone. I should plead my case. Oh, that's none of my my business. Yeah. What she's saying to her sponsor and work. And that's really upstairs and you're downstairs and you're listening. It's like, that's not the whole story. But the point being is that that you're right. We can't be each other's higher power and we can't be each other's sponsors. We can be supportive, Mm -hmm. but we can't sponsor each other. You know what I mean? And we can't be each other's higher power. And we avoid that by having those direct connections through sponsors and other people in the program that we rely on for those sorts of things. I was just thinking about how great Greg was because I was in the coma for three months after my car wreck. They said, 
trying to bring up something from her childhood. So he's brought me a David Cassidy tape and played me David Cassidy. And so when I, I finally got woke up and came home, our whole family went in the limousine to see David Cassidy for free. And I got to go backstage. We got to go to the first Marisian for free. Well, and, and actually she was in the hospital for three months in a coma for a couple of months. But I shared on Facebook that, you know, they told me to sing songs or play music that has some meaning for her to try to help bring her back a little bit. So I was singing, I think I love you. And I, I shared that on Facebook with half of our Facebook or AA people. And mm-hmm. somebody said, hey, wait a minute. I think I know somebody who knows somebody who's an agent of David Cassidy. And oh. Let me make a call. And somebody made Connections. a call. And somebody else, next thing I know, David Cassidy's agent is calling me. And saying, "Hey, I we understand your wife's in the hospital. We under the story." And then the news came out. And oh started- wow! You know what I'm hearing is that two people entering into a relationship that are both in recovery. It's important to have your own program, your own network, your sponsor, your trusted friends. And yes, both of these can come together. But I stand on my own in my recovery with the support of my husband. Absolutely. Well said. Well, both of you have been sober for a long time. Have both of you read the big book? We certainly have read the big book. But we will. I wonder if you'll play our little game, a big book quiz called Stump the Thumpers. That's a big book. Uh, I have a head injury. She has a head injury. And, um, my excuse is I'm just not that smart. So let's do it. <laughs> no excuses. It's time to play Stump the Thumpers, our big book quiz show. And here's our quiz master, Donnie Wani Bonnie. Thanks, Spammy. Now, I've researched the first 164 pages of the big book. And Dr. Bob's story. Let's keep this simple. I found a few easy questions for our contestants. It's only easy if you know the answer. If you know the answer. (laughs) It's multiple choice. If we don't know the answer, we're picking C, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you get the question right and win, what, what do they win, Sam? The warm glow of accomplishment. Wow. Okay. Let's do it. Is that all? Well, and a subscription to the grapevine? There you go. Okay, cool. Sweet. So what we're going to do, I've got two questions for each of you. If you guess wrong, then the other can venture a guess. This means the household wins, period. Okay, great. (laughs) So for each right question, you get 2,000 points. That's a lot of points, Don. A lot of points. But they are alcoholics. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you know how we alcoholics are. I I need a parade every day I'm sober. (laughs) Who goes first? Who goes first is the one who most recently attended an AA meeting. Yeah, that would be both of us. That's a tie. We both went yesterday at 5 o'clock. What about before that? (laughs) That was So she wins because prior to that, she did go to one, so that beat me. So you went to one. So you, Kelly, you've been to yeah. more recently than Greg. Yes. Yes. All right. So we're going to go with you first. And let's see. 
So here we, on page three in Bill's story, he says, he acquired the impeccable coat of tan after emulating which 1940s celebrity? One, Harry S. Truman. Two, Clark Gable. Three, Louis Armstrong. Four, Walter Hagen. Five, Saucho Marx. So he acquired the impeccable coat of tan after emulating which 1940s celebrity? Wow, 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 wow. This is really hard because I've heard all the quotes in the big book. I've never heard this quote. No. <laughs> John is really good at picking up obscure <laughs> it's things. A, it's a little... I'd say Clark Gable. Wah, wah. All right, Greg, this is your chance to grab the question. Okay, so I would have guessed Clark Gable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it can't be Harry Truman. It's and it can't be Louis Armstrong. It's probably that. And so who's the other? That, Groucho Marx and Walter Hagen. Walter, so we gotta say, Walter, Walter Hagen. Walter Hagen. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> there we go. Process of elimination. The answer is on page three. I started to overtake Walter Hagen. Liquor caught up with me much faster than I came up behind Walter. I acquired the impeccable coat of tan one sees upon the well-to-do. So the answer is number four, Walter Hagen. What? Ding, ding, ding. We've got a bonus question for an extra 2,000 points. What is he referring to when he says an impeccable coat of tan? Uh, Greg. Uh, uh, what do you think? I think a buzz. <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> not it. And I got to tell you, for the longest time, I thought, you know, a suntan. Yeah, right, me right. too. It's not that either. And it's a great slang. Hey, I'm going to go out and get myself a nice coat of tan. Yeah, that. Nope. The answer is a long, elegant leather coat. Oh. So if you'll see pictures in the 40s of celebrities and politicians, they'll be wearing these long coats. Uh, it was very popular, expensive coat. So uh, Bill yeah. was coveting Walter Hagen's. No alcoholic would ever covet someone Wait else's success. What are you talking about? <laughs> Jealousy and envy is not in our playbook. Not at all. <laughs> okay, Kelly, question number two. What building material metaphor is used to describe our common peril in Bill's story? One, keystone. Two, triumphant arch. Three, mortar. Four, cement. Five, foundation stone. What building material metaphor is used to describe our common peril? The first thing I thought of was brick. So I'm going to say foundation stone. Wah, wah. <laughs> okay. Greg, you want to snatch it up? So that leaves me with brick mortar. Triumphant arch or cement? Mortar. I think it's triumphant The answer is on page 17. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which cement. binds us. 
but that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. The answer is number four, cement. See, I thought mortar sounded older. <laughs> well, really, I think every one of those terms Bill uses mm. at some point. He loves building metaphors. You yeah. know, Don, earlier in the show, I introduced you as our quiz master. I think we need to add something, and that would be perhaps devious <laughs> well, they might get a little bit more devious here as we move to Greg. Oh. In we agnostics, what power can give us a tedious beating? Selfishness? Alcohol? The four horsemen of the apocalypse? God? Stubbornness? Stubbornness. Stubbornness. Wah, wah. But you're, all of those can. I know, I know. Kelly, Kelly you want to take steal. a stab? Selfishness. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is on page 48. In this respect, alcohol was the great persuader. It uh, finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. What power can give us a tedious beating? Number two, alcohol. Wow. That is true. I started to put two by four as an answer because I've heard so many times God have beat me over the head with That's a two right. by four to make me willing. It's true. I received a very tedious beating from alcohol. <laughs> wow. I, I like that. I like yeah. that saying. Okay. The last question. And Kelly, this one's yours. Which synonym for being angry is not found in the big book? Sore, teed off, grouch, burned up. Burned up. Wah, wah. <laughs> so what were these, the answers again? The ones that are left are sore, teed off, grouch. I'm going to go with teed off. That would be the correct answer. We have a winner. <laughs> We get a little help from our friends. There we go. <laughs> In a word search of the big book, you will not find number two, teed off. Aren't you glad this game is over? <laughs> that game was really interesting. Was I never, I would never thought of these questions. Well, there's some odd references in the big book and we love to exploit them. Kelly and Greg, thank you. This has been a real joy having you all so on the much. show. Well, thank you for having us. We really enjoyed being here. Hey, folks, stick around. There's something special after the show. Perhaps Don might get put to right size. What? What are you saying? I'm at the very wit's end. Cuckoo. A drunk is riding a horse at full speed. He's being chased by a lion. And there's a giraffe in the way in front of him. How will he escape this highly dangerous situation? Get off the carousel. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., 
We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Hi, everybody. Sam had some concerns about the questions that I used in the Stump the Thumpers episode that you just listened to. Indeed, I did. (laughs) And we thought we would get an expert on, a sober university professor, to take a look at these questions and just, are these outside of the realm of what is reasonable of or being not. ethical in treating our guests with <laughs> kindness and compassion. <laughs> so we have here today, Chris. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And I know that you're going to do the right thing here. <laughs> we need to make sure that we've got a real expert here. When did you get sober? July 20th, 1985. And you are a university professor? That is correct. Of what sort? I am a professor of communication studies. I have been doing this for about 25 years. I think that qualifies him as an expert witness. Pretty good. (laughs) One more question. Do you have a sponsor who has a sponsor? I have a sponsor who has a sponsor who has a sponsor. (laughs) There you go. Okay, so Chris, I'm going to read for you the first question. I think this might be the one that really upset Sam. In we agnostics, what power can give us a tedious beating? One, selfishness. Two, alcohol. Three, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Four, God. Five, stubbornness. Oh, goodness. Well, that question was concocted by an evil person, but I will say stubbornness. Read it, Sam. Page 48. In this respect, alcohol was the great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. What power can give us a tedious beating? Number two, alcohol. (laughs) You would only only get a question like that from an evil person. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Who has overstudied the big book. Not a thumper, a super thumper. A a super thumper. (laughs) I want to throw something out here too. And Don, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you skipped the previous question by accident and not on purpose. You find the previous one difficult? About uh, what building material metaphor is used to describe our common peril in Bill's story? One, keystone. Two, triumphant arch. Three, mortar. Four, cement. Five, foundation stone. Keystone. Wrong. The answer on page 17. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us. The answer is number four, cement. 
I declare this an unfair question concocted by an evil genius who only knows the answer because he's memorized the big book by going to a meeting every week in which they study the big book one sentence at a time. He's heard that sentence 47 times in the last 27 years. There's building materials all over the big book. There are keystones. There is mortar. There is sand. Cement I forgot about. (laughs) there's foundation stone there's keystone they're all mentioned in the big book you're right just on different pages but i don't think what page it's on matters (laughs) i'm feeling vindication for our guests well you're right for 25 years i've been going to a big book meeting originally called no frills big book study now called the way out group that studies the big book one sentence at a time. And Sometimes I'm, for weeks on that weeks. one sentence. <laughs> Was that the tedious meeting we were talking about? Wait. <laughs> Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, my so pleasure. Much. <laughs>